My name is Scott Challoner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of this show will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, we welcome Helen Kimber, founder of Hero Lifestyle, onto today's program. Um, Helen, pleasure welcoming you on and thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, Scott. Yeah, it's a real pleasure having you, Helen. Um, Now, just for those viewers that might not be familiar with Helen and what she does, uh, Hero Lifestyle is an award-winning nutrition and well-being business that helps clients achieve optimal health and well-being. Obviously, that's only kind of a rough outline of what you do, Helen. So um, how do you sort of go about kind of achieving those aims in the uh, the day-to-day? What is it that your business fundamentally does? Okay, well, um, Hero Lifestyle is... I call it maybe a one-stop shop um, with regards to working with individuals or businesses, helping them achieve optimal health by three different modalities. Um, one is nutrition um, and not just healthy eating, really looking at the fundamentals of deep down social nutrition with regards to how this amazing machine called the human body can achieve optimal health by the fuel that we call food um, that we feed it with or that we don't feed it with, which gives us bad health. Um, and then also there's the other modality, exercise, fitness, etc. Or um, and I'm also I also work with, with clients with yoga. I've practiced yoga for thirty years, sorted for about eighteen, and I bring yoga into my client consultations and my workshops quite regularly. Not just the yoga, as we call the asanas, which are the shapes that you make when you practice yoga, mm. but all to do with the breath work, the mindfulness, and the lifestyle of yoga. Yeah, so it's actually quite far-reaching, isn't it, when you think about it? And um, what I wanted to sort of ask you about as well is that um, the last couple of years that we've had with, you know, the pandemic, that sort of affected businesses across all sorts of industries, but especially for somebody like yourself who's sort of, you know, very, very health-focused, we've kind of really become more mindful of our physical and mental health during COVID. So I suppose that's come with a lot of opportunities for you, but you've had to balance that out with, you know, the challenges of lockdown and the effect that has on well-being. So how was it sort of managing through the COVID period sort of for you from business perspective? Very, it's really fascinating. Only a year old, and my business model has quickly pivoted and changed. So I had a, a, I'd run a nutrition clinic at a, a spa hotel, and I was working with people and um, going to visit them in their homes and what have you. And then suddenly we had lockdown, and I went on a huge learning curve, and suddenly discovered this, this phenomena called Zoom. Um, and started to work with my clients online, and um, both providing nutritional consultations, providing workshops and seminars. Businesses who were very concerned about their their employees' well-being, and um, then also session sessions um, via my little studio. This is doing my own studio. I was at home in. Um, yeah, so, so that's quite quite 
Yeah, it certainly seems that you were able to sort of adapt quite well to the challenge of the pandemic by kind of taking the business online. And would you say as well that that's kind of almost opened the business up to a broader audience in a way? Yes, absolutely. Particularly with with like my my nutrition consultations, when working with the planet. So obviously people would would travel. I'm just going to say, for example, a maximum of 40 minutes to, to working with clients in America, um, um, Europe, etc. And then even with things like my, my nutrition and sort of workshops and seminars, providing those for businesses, for their employees online, um, businesses who have um, employees in all different countries could tap in and so obviously looking at the you know the time differences and what have you but I've, I've delivered seminars to Melbourne, Miami um, to name but a, a couple um, as well as, as in the UK so it's really opened up the business but it also opened up my eyes to realise that actually you can really sort of spread out and, and make, it made the world a smaller place I think it has hasn't it and i suppose one of the things that the people that you work with have had access to is um a regular blog that you've been putting together as well that talks about how to kind of manage your stress levels as well and i suppose that for anybody in kind of like you know a crisis situation like a pandemic be they sort of um, a regular person the employee of a business or like a big ceo or something i think we can all kind of take away something from that because in a situation like a pandemic where you know things are on top of you you're mentally health might not be the best you're very isolated as an individual you know stress and you know the impact that that all has on mental well-being it can take its toll so without sort of giving kind of too much away as to you know what the blog contains because we want people to actually go and read it um what kind of key things are in there um from your point of view to try and help people kind of you know manage stress and manage their mental well-being okay well but I, I write lots of blogs um, about all different things to do with well-being and stress is, is one of the key ones. As someone who has practiced yoga for many years and I'm very interested with regards to breath work and meditation and mindfulness, um, I do find it quite fascinating that when mental health and well-being we very we always talk about our being outside with nature and, and, and going on a walk and having a break from the laptop etc etc mm. but I also find it fascinating that very little is said about the first thing that is absolutely most important in nutrition is what we put into our body so the effect of the chronic thought has a profound effect on um, the ability of um, eliminating key nutrients. And so if we are stressed, our body food and use up key nutrients like vitamin C, the B vitamins, etc. And I think the, the well-being, the mental health, the well-being is, is skewed to being more focused on what we do with regards to managing movement and breath work and what have you, rather than what we eat. 
and what we see is as important, it's not more important. Because, for example, if you have a poor diet and your gut bacteria is out of balance, we mm. call that the gut microbiome. Um, and if the microbiome is affected, beneficial bacteria that has a profound effect on the levels of serotonin, which, as you're probably aware of, is um, what we call the happy neurotransmitter in the brain. Mm. So if you are stressed and you don't eat well and you have uh, and you have a poor diet, if you have what we call gut dysbiosis, which is an imbalance of good bacteria, no matter how much breath work and how much cutting trees and what the nature you do, your serotonin levels could still be quite poor. So by looking at the functional nutrition, looking at your gut health, that can have a massive impact positively on helping to achieve better mental health and well-being. So it's just about, isn't it, the food that we're eating as well as obviously, you know, the activities that we're doing basically. And um, I think, you know, we are a lot more aware of our physical and our mental health as a direct result of COVID. You know, the government's been on a massive sort of health campaign to try and get people eating healthily, exercising and, you know, bringing their weight down and trying to sort of promote good health. And I suppose that in the aftermath of, uh, of that, um, for the likes of yourselves, I suppose there are a great many opportunities that have emerged from COVID despite the uh, the tragedy. And it's just about now, you know, keeping sort of people's mental health and well-being in check and making sure that the lifestyles they're leading are healthy and that, you know, the awareness is there that everything is tied to, you know, what you're actually putting into your body. Yeah. And it's a, a whole minefield as well with regards to... Um, you know, the, the, the government trying to encourage people to eat healthily and, and what have you. But there's, there's a massive gap in people's knowledge um, and, and awareness of what the fuel that we call food does or doesn't do when we put it into our bodies. And telling people to reduce calories and cut down to, in order to lose weight in X number of weeks um, is putting them on a, on a diet. Diets don't work. Mm. The one, one thing I, I don't do when I work with, with my clients is talk to them about how much a calorie, or a food, calorie content of a food is, and weight is just a small part of, of, of what I deal with. I believe, Scott, calories, the amount of kilograms or pounds you weigh, they're made up figures by human beings to make other human beings feel really inadequate and miserable. Yeah, it's, um, like I say, that a lot of them seem to be kind of like arbitrary constructs, don't they? People become very, very obsessed by, you know, sort of calorie intake and their weight, don't they? And they come to the point where, you know, yeah. they're measuring the sort of their weight every single day and... Yeah, it, it, it gets to the point where that becomes it itself unhealthy, doesn't it? You're trying to obviously change your lifestyle and yeah. it becomes yeah. almost obsessive. And I think as well, lifestyle is a key word there. I mean, it's like you talked about earlier, you know, the word diet not being kind of like the right word to describe this because diets don't work. It's not a diet change. It is fundamentally a lifestyle change, isn't it, when it comes to being healthy like this? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's looking at, looking at the bigger picture is looking at... Um, movement, looking at mindset, 
looking at the quality of the food that you put into this amazing machine called the human body that we've just, in my opinion, have been loaned for a period of time. And um, it's a shame that we haven't got graphics that we can use on this podcast, but there's an, an amazing um, graph from a meta-analysis looking at vitality. And if you if you think about um, how how we we age, and if you measure vitality from zero to to a hundred, let's say, and you look at how long we live for, if you um, we live for about you know I'm just going to say on average about eighty five years. And a lot of people, not just in this country, but in developed countries, probably live about 15 of those years towards the end of their lives. So from 60, um, 65, 70 onwards in poor health. And if you look at the, where that poor health begins, in, in your early 20s, mid-20s, Potentially, if you get two people stood next to each other, one, um, you know, lives a really good lifestyle. They they eat well, they sleep well, etc. And then the other twenty odd year old lives the life of I'm going to say sex, sex, drugs, and rock and roll mm. <laughs> for a prolonged period of time. Those two people, you stand them next to each other, they look pretty similar. There's not a lot in it. You get those two people when they're in their 40s standing next to each other and there is a massive difference and it's all to do with what we do to the inside of our bodies, the way that we, I'm going to say, we, we're overfed and undernourished in this country. We eat a lot of beige food. And when we talk about the beige food, the stuff to avoid, what sorts of things are they that, you know, we need to be very, very mindful of? Okay, so in, in my opinion, beige, beige food or anything beige, great for interior design, no good on a plate. So if you look at um, brightly coloured foods, eating a rainbow and making your plate as brightly coloured as possible um, with natural Food, that is, is a really good, that's a sort of good start off. So your beige foods are, are a lot of your convenience foods, um, your, your, your manufactured foods, even to the degree of things like your breads and your pastas and your bagels mm. um, and what have you. We eat a lot of those types of foods because they're quick and they're easy. Mm. They are, aren't they? I mean, I think given sort of the uh, the typical Great British lifestyle now, I think we're drawn to convenience, like you say, and because these foods, you know, they're quick, they're fast, they're really, really easy to, you know, sort of whack a quick meal together because we're constantly sort of, you know, maybe on the move yeah. in a bad way, you know, sort of rushing between sort of work meetings, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we haven't sort of sat down and kind of, you know, hit the reset button on this and I suppose what the pandemic has done is it's kind of almost given us that opportunity ironically hasn't it yeah absolutely to, to take a, step, a little step back and um and I think the pandemic the lockdown it, it has a profound positivity for lots of people who realize that they you know felt so much better when they went out and did a lot of exercise and what have you and then on mm. the other side of the coin a lot of people had a negative effect and ended up drinking more and eating more convenience foods because they were in 
a bad a bad place. Um, but but now that the, the pandemic is over, and I I meet I meet loads of business owners who who are in poor health. I'm going to say due to self neglect, and we hear so much about all this well being and the investment that business owners and business leaders make in the latest technology. So they'll have a really good office chair. They'll have a really comfortable car. Um, they'll have, you know, the latest phone, the latest tech that they invest a great deal in or their companies invest a great deal in. But they don't or are unwilling to invest in their looking after their own well-being and acquiring the knowledge and the skills to look after those valuable assets. Mm. And ironically, our health is probably our most valuable asset, isn't it? And that's the thing, you know, you should be looking after above all else. And and I I do see a a lot of people and have discussions with people who, you know, if you fail to provide the right tool to that amazing machine, your most valuable asset, then eventually things do start to break down. And and as as like it's reality, the older we get, the stronger the super glue we need to glue things back. Um, you know, we we often with like you just said, we're busy and we fail to look after our bodies and it's just it doesn't suddenly happen acutely. We end up with these long-term chronic health conditions that take quite a long time to resolve or sometimes to relieve. So it's things like obesity mm. and joint pain and, and gastrointestinal symptoms that, that we then go to our GPs with and get a tablet that treats the symptoms but not the underlying cause yeah so we're alleviating the symptom but then it's about you know the lifestyle adjustment there the looking after the well-being the bringing work-life balance into your life to then deal with what's actually causing the issue isn't it yeah yeah and so looking at looking at sort of nutrition as the foundation um and again that is really, really important and, and what have you. However, you cannot out-exercise a bad diet. So, mm. you know, if you go to the gym and then come, you know, if you have a, in fitness, there's a, there's a phrase called um, people are active couch potatoes in the fact that they have a very sedentary job. They work out 20, 40 minutes, maybe every evening or every day or three times a week. But the majority of the time, they are sedentary. And mm. so they'll go to the gym and go, oh, great, I've, you know, I've just done a 40-minute hit session at the gym and sit and watch the TV for three hours. And that ultimately isn't going to work for the better, is it? You need to be able to kind no. of integrate more it's, into it. And it's the lot, it's, it's the long-term effect, the cumulative and long-term effect of, of that. Um, and so looking at what what's happening inside, looking at your gut health and your digestion and the way you eat. So many people eat their breakfast while getting emails. 
And I think that the height, the, the working from home has been great for quality of life, but, but somewhere along the way, the breadth, if you work, people, a lot of people who work from home, and I, I see it and I speak with people who, who practice it. <laughs> they get up, they log on, they eat breakfast. They check emails while they're eating breakfast. So they're not actually focusing on what they're eating. They're just shoveling it in. Then lunch um, is similar. And then the evening meal is possibly sat watching catch-up TV. And in reality, this isn't what we should be doing. I mean, it's like, I think when it comes to actually to put what you put into your body, I think full focus needs to be on that. And you do need to kind of take that time aside to, you know, appreciate what it is that you're making for yourself or you're preparing for yourself and then take the time to, you know, consume that slowly, consciously, and then obviously get on with the rest of your day beyond that. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I've done a lot of work with Ayurvedic lifestyle. Um, I've just, um, which is Ayurveda is the sister science of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, or yoga is a sister science of Ayurveda and it's a very very ancient lifestyle practice that's fascinating because lots of, lots of modern science suddenly discovers these amazing gems that Ayurveda has been talking about for, for thousands of years but in Ayurvedic lifestyle it's not just about what you eat it's about how you eat, being very mindful, making sure that you chew your food, which is the, even smelling your food. That's the first part of a, a healthy digestive process. Loads of people just shovel it in mm. and don't even chew it. And then we wonder why we've got indigestion. Mm, that's what I mean. Everything has a consequence, doesn't it? Um, and Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for anybody actually listening into this who is interested in finding out more about sort of the um, the Ayurvedic lifestyle that you talked about there, Helen, um, does, does your website um, include some information on that? Um, and that would be herolifestyle.co.uk. Yeah, I, do, um, yeah. I don't go into massive information about the Ayurvedic lifestyle generally. I've written quite a lot of blogs um, that people can just go onto my website and, and have a read of. But if anybody... Um, want to have a discussion um, personally with me, um, I always offer um, a half an hour complimentary discovery call with either individuals who want to speak with me or if they um, are wanting work with, with their colleagues or their employees, um, I, I'm more than willing to have a conversation um, with, with them. And again, again, it's, it's a discovery call via my website. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, herolifestyle.co.uk, your website, isn't it? That would obviously be the, uh, the yeah, port of call um, yeah, for that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So for any listeners um, tuning into this that, you know, might be affected by any of the issues we've discussed, um, perfect port of call there for you if you did want to, you know, go into this a little bit further, find out more and see what little changes could be made. Um, and um, just before we um, we actually wrap up uh, now, uh, Helen, um, given the, you know, increased awareness that we have around our health 
as a result of the last couple of years that we've had. Um, it'd be great to get an idea as to, you know, what your hopes are moving forward in terms of your business and helping more people make that lifestyle change. Um, and hopefully, like I say, um, what, um, what you'd like to have achieved by uh, maybe this time next year in uh, that mission. Okay, so I'm, I'm um, at the moment doing quite a lot of work. I've written, I've written a, a five-week course um, for the menopause. Um, prior to lockdown, and the menopause is really in vogue at the moment, <laughs> um, but it's always been around. People are talking about it a lot more. Mm. But prior to lockdown, uh, even a couple of years prior to that, I was doing workshops and, and delivering um seminars about the menopause and it was not spoken about a great deal um, and it's great now that it's come into the, to the sort of, um, forefront of, of people's um, information and, and interest because it does affect um, information and so I, I'm, I'm asked quite often to deliver um, workshops and seminars to businesses with regard to the menopause um, and I've, I've written a five-week course or a sort of a, a whole day workshop which um, a few businesses have brought to their employees to, to, to work with, which is fantastic. I'm working, I work on that a lot, but my, 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 my passion is really just to um, try and support people as, as, as best I can, giving them the knowledge and the tools so that they can run with that baton um, and, and achieve real optimal health and well-being, not only in their, their work life, but it's, you know, at the end of the day, why do we work? We work so that we can have a really, really good life after work. And if you're really healthy, in my opinion, and you really treat the body um, well and eat really well and move really well and exercise, you better work to help support your body, your downtime will be even more rewarding. I think that's exactly right. And I think that's the thing that we sometimes lose sight of, isn't it? That, you know, our well-being has to come before work sometimes and work is to support our health and well-being. And, you know, it shouldn't come at the detriment of that. I think that's very true. And I think... um, as we start to see, you know, the picture emerging nationally over the uh, the next uh, year or so, I think it would be great actually, Helen, to maybe catch up and reassess the situation. And hopefully, you know, we see some positive trajectory in this and we see more people, you know, becoming aware of that and making that lifestyle change. Yeah, I think so. And I think it, I, I find it, it's amazing when people do have um, a light bulb moment and doesn't change their lifestyle. But very often it happens because they have a fright mm. and they're told, oh, this has happened or they have an ECT or they suddenly um, get really breathless and they're told, oh, you know, you've got the onset of angina or you, you, you're pre-diabetic weight. And I think people have suddenly start changing when they get told, that, oh, if you don't do this, this might happen. And I think, to me, it's the, the ideal thing would be for people to preempt that and think, you know what, I'm going to be really happy and look after myself so that that's part of the equation. 
yeah, it's almost kind of, you know, making the change before, you know, you get that fright, isn't it? Before your health deteriorates Absolutely. to yeah. the point where that's yeah. necessary. I think that's very, very important and very, very right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I say, hopefully more people um, obviously do, um, you know, pick up on that message and do make that change. And for anybody tuning into this as well, I mean, like I say, hopefully, you know, this has given you some motivation as well and um, who might be affected and it could help sort of turn your life around um, as well because, you know, well-being, the work-life balance, you've got to put that before all else. Um, Helen, I've got to say it's been an immense pleasure welcoming you onto oh, the show you. today to talk about all of this because it is so, so relevant at the moment. And uh, by all means as well, do indeed take care and stay safe with all still going on in the world in the meantime. And hopefully, as I say, we can catch up in future on the show. Yeah, that would be lovely. It would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, likewise as well, Helen, for your giving up your time to come and speak to us because we couldn't do the work that we do without the likes of yourselves giving up your time to come and talk about what it is that you do in that message. So we are incredibly grateful for that. And I'm sure, of course, the listeners do share that sentiment as well. Um, a reminder as well to everyone tuning in that if you did want to find out more about Helen and uh, the work that she's doing, um, do visit herolifestyle.co.uk. And if you are a business owner or, you know, the head of an organization yourself and you feel that you have, you know, your own story to share with us here at the Leaders' Council about the work that you do, then you too can apply to be on our program to share that story via leaderscouncil.co.uk. Um, until next time, I've been your host, Scott Challoner, on today's Leaders' Council podcast with guest Helen Kimber. Please take care and goodbye. <laughs>